and John just screwed up the recording for everybody. So he's uh, all the hard he's work fired. that we were doing. <laughs> that's, now Thomas, damn it, John! You had one thing to do: not close the browser. You close the browser. <laughs> Here we go. 02-20-2020, episode 179. The numbers don't lie to you, people. It's PHP Ugly. <laughs> don't say laugh again. I'm your host, Eric Van Johnson. With me, John Congdon. Yo, yo, that's me, JC, the Brain Supreme, and my ugly crew. Oh we're kicking goodness. the flow, we're kicking the flow, and it goes a little something like this. And Thomas right out. Boy, I want to see what up, that one. They call me Fat Tom, and it only barely hurts my feelings. <laughs> what the hell is going on tonight? Oh my goodness, I'm loving it. I'm loving the vibe, man. This is awesome. We've got a new studio. If you're watching the stream, we've got like... Uh, I. I spent some time in OBS, got that all prettied up, and these guys are bringing it. They're bringing their A game. You gotta love it. I'm not what sure if you noticed, but I've got, uh, I've got art on the wall behind me now. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, is, that what, that. is that what you call that? Yes. <laughs> oh. Okay. I mean, no. It was a couple's wine and painting class, but also. Oh, I saw that on Facebook! Oh shit, we lost OBS. Uh, does that mean uh, we're not streaming anymore? We're not streaming anymore. Uh, bling, okay. bling. That, that's okay. We we've got the recordings going, so that all that all that intro stuff is staying in. <laughs> um alright, let me go back I'm gonna go back over to Ecamm because OBS is crashing like crazy right. now. Well, so while you're doing that, I'll talk to Tom about his paintings. So you did a a whining paint thing yeah i my my wife wanted to do something for valentine's day but specifically not on valentine's day because screw that whole mess yeah uh so yeah we got a a wine and painting class and for some reason my wife was under the impression that i would refuse to do such a thing but i had no problem doing that it was a ton of fun and i did that with my wife uh probably been a shit a year at this point but it was a lot of fun just to do, some, yeah, do something you, different you come out of it with something you made together and you get to put it up in your home and yeah but you I'm already you actually put yours up ours is like stashed in the garage somewhere oh no <laughs> i've i've gotten on a kick of like creating a list of chores for myself and executing them so Amazingly enough, things aren't sitting around my house for like two years waiting to get done. Yeah, well, this is what isn't me like procrastinating. It's her not wanting them hung up in our house. <laughs> well, you've got an office. Just put them up in there. Yeah, there's like no room in this office for anything. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's I'm uh, sure that's what that is. I'm in a shoebox of a closet as my office. Uh. You you have a bigger office. You just choose not to uh, not to give it any love. Yeah. You have a nice big office, like a CEO should have. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not gonna be there in yeah. a couple of months, so. Well, 
That's your choice, not mine. I'll tell you. All right, uh, so if you are watching us again, we apologize. OBS has been crashing on me. I spent, uh, like, a couple hours reconfiguring all our scenes on OBS, and um, ever since then, OBS just keeps crashing. I think uh, I think it has something to do with the latest update to macOS. I don't think it has anything to do with the scenes, but uh, yeah. So we're back. We're back on Ecam, old faithful Ecam. Even though I spent a significant amount of time making pretty scenes in OBS. I know. Now I need to take that. It's fine. I have to take that opening back if we're not going to be using OBS. Oh no! Yeah, no. The, op the opening—that's—that's that's our new standard. I think I think we we just established our, our openings now, so that's good. I don't know why. Just before the show, just before here. the show, I had tag team stuck in my head, and that came to me. So I was like, tag team. <laughs> one of the things I like about you, John, you're the old school. You like the old school rap. I I do enjoy that. Yeah, my so, my so wife laughs fun. at me because uh, this past weekend we did a little. Uh, long weekend we went up to Big Bear and we're driving up uh, up the mountain listening to 90s on 9 on uh, Sirius and she took a picture I forget what we were listening to but she took a picture and sent it to her friends that were following us up there and it's like look what he's making me listen to and they were excited about it <laughs> that's right your husband's got some taste man yeah she's doing blackmail all wrong <laughs> <laughs> Gotta teach you a little something there. Yeah. Hey, so how's uh? Do you guys have a Samsung phone? No. Nope. Pixels. No? I do. And mine was super easy to find because I got a find my phone message <laughs> from Samsung official. Oh, have yeah. you guys heard about this? No. All of the new Samsung phones, like the S9, S10, every single one of them got a little pop-up that said, find my phone and the number one. And when you tapped on it, it just did nothing. It went away. And there's no app called find my phone. It just, just did that. And really? So, yeah. And Samsung came out and said, whoops, we were testing something and it went to production. <laughs> Fun happens everywhere. Yeah, happens to the best of us apparently. So yeah, so many of these. I'm sending you a screenshot of what my wife took in the car on the way up there. A little six, tootsie roll, sixty nine boys tootsie roll. Oh yeah, Is she trying to embarrass you by showing how cool you are. <laughs> oh fun. All right, what have you guys been? Had, had that been on OBS, I could have I could have shared that because I had a, I had a screen for that. But nope, whatever. <sighs> How was everybody's week? I can tell you. I tell had us. my interview on Friday. Kooky. And I think it went really well. It was a good interpersonal communication project for me, and uh, I had pages and pages of notes to go over and lots of interesting information came out of it uh, good so yeah was, I, I believe i was a very active interviewee uh not one of those people that just waits for a question to be asked and cool. stares, stares blank at the screen 
So when do you, when do you start? Uh, I, it's going to be a lengthy process. It's a very key role for the company, and uh, they're having me do a coding test. And I believe there's another, at least another round of interviews with people. Do you know how and many people they have in their queue? I don't. I think that's one of those things you don't you don't ask. It's like how impressive no. do I have to be? Is it a queue of one? Ah, like, I have the job, just, and you're just making me jump through hoops. Right. <laughs> is this a circus act? Am I being circus trained? I think it's a fair question to ask. It's like, hey, you know, what what's the what's the running look like for this position? Just, uh, I don't know. I would ask. Well, aside from that, that, can't hurt to ask. It's been an interesting growth experience for me because I've realized that when my kids were younger, you know, I really settled my life towards them, uh, focusing on their needs, spending my time paying attention to them and doing the things that they need and that I need from them and all that stuff. And now that they're 17 and 16 and 16, they can get the hell out of my house. I need to get back to work. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't happen that quickly. I got news for you, but go on. Keep with your fantasy. Well, it's at least time for me to start focusing on my career again and what my next goal mm. is for for employment. And am I going to be a senior developer forever at the rate that I'm at, or am I going to actually progress somewhere? And it's been I've been doing a lot of thinking about my direction and my again my education i've bought some udemy courses for project management and uh architecture and udemy is my new addiction i like i i, I wait for courses to go on sale on udemy now because they always have they always go on like 90 percent sale and then i start like swooping in buying them up like they there like they're like stock tickets or something <laughs> This was the interesting thing. I bought a course. I looked at it. It was 95% on sale. Mm-hmm. So it was like $8 or something. And I went into the course to preview it to make sure that I could understand what the guy was saying and how many hours of course there was and how much course work there was to make sure it was a realistic purchase. Came back 85% on sale. <laughs> You gotta act quick, man. Yeah, well, but I recall, I recall specifically that it said that the ninety-five percent sale price was locked in for twenty-four hours. But when I went back to it, it was a different sale price. Yeah, they they didn't tell you when the twenty-four hours started, though. It started like <laughs> eight hours before you looked at it the first time. Well, yeah, I, I skipped the Udemy course on the theory of relativity, so I couldn't actually know what twenty-four hours is. <laughs> that, that's it. You, you got to get the course on time zones, man. Yeah. That's, the, that's the whole course you got to watch. <laughs> so I ended up buying it at, at twenty dollars instead of eight dollars or whatever it was going to be. But uh, yeah. Still, you know, I think it's one of those things where it's whether or not I get this position, I'm now putting myself out there for this type of position. You, you've, you've kind of accepted the fact that you you are interested in, in, in furthering your career. Right. So now you've got like, yeah, I, I get that. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. 
Yeah. Cool. So man. that's that's been my week. I've been working on a lot of a lot of self self teaching and a lot of research and uh, social media maintenance. Realizing that I have to like update my social media profiles to be relevant. <laughs> Every now and then, you know, yeah. don't yeah, point yeah. to dead domain names for projects from two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Probably a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> How about you guys? So I, I I had a good week. I asked I asked John to take a look at my code and, and how to best test it. He's like, you can't test this shit. This is horrible. <laughs> So I spent the day refactoring code again. You, know, you, you uh, never did show me. I what tell you, came you up I, with. I, I, huh? You never did show me what you came up with. Oh, I'll, sh- I'll show it to you. Yeah, I, I basically did what we did. I, I moved everything into a service and uh, created an interface. And um, yeah, I, I basically did everything we talked about. I, I think I'll, I'll show. I'll show it to you. But uh, but I do see. What makes it so much more? T- I mean, even as I'm doing it, like we were talking. So, in reality, I showed I I I done I taken on a refactoring project uh, of a a small ap- application we had that just needed some modification to uh, um, encrypt at rest some information. So it ended up being a little bit more work than I had planned, but you know it was fine because you know I love coding. So I spent some time coding it, but I I, re- I very much fell into the pattern of I'm I'm just going to quickly try to get this out, and I I wanted I wanted I knew I was going to have to refactor it again in the very near future, and so I wanted to make make my code my refactor testable, and. Um, I, you know, very much showed it to John, and, you know, John was like, yeah, this is going to be hard to test. What, you know, what you need to do is you need to, you know, abstract this away and change this, and and it was all, I I, I do love code reviews, and I do love pair programming because of that, because it, it really, it, it, it did have me do a reset, and even just coding today, I'm just like, wow. Wow, this is going to be so much easier to test because I'd asked John how to test it because I had refactored it, and I'm like, "Well, shit, how do I write a test for this?" Because it's all you know. I I don't understand where to test or how to test. And then just you know, talking to John John about it, it was like, "Oh," and and after I did my refactor, I'm like, "Okay, now I've got everything as a service. Now everything's you know, each service is testable on its own. I don't have to go through the interface and." Uh, it was it was a lot better, so I appreciate that, yeah. John. Cool. That's the the hell I've been in for the past few weeks is learning that. But having piece. to work with Eric? No, 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 no. I've been writing my own code and having it uh, code reviewed by somebody else who I've mentioned on this show lots of times. But I'm not going to do it today because Eric will kill me. Mister, he gets too much free press. Yeah, Tim doesn't need that kind of press. Anyway, he's been reviewing a lot of my code and. It is, is like, I have the code. It works. And he's like, but you should do this, and this, and that, and this, and that, and that, yeah. that, that. I'm like, come on, what? <laughs> it works. Just let me go. And it, what, what ultimately ends up happening is the code I'm writing is testable itself. To a point, there are definitely things to make it better, but when you go one step past that, of code that's going to use this code 
how testable is that going to be? And that's the trap I kept falling into lately. Like, well, that makes sense. If I change this just a little bit, it'll make testing down the road a lot easier. Yeah. But it's it's that separation of concerns. It's sep- It's breaking classes down to those small pieces that I find tricky at times. It's like, mm-hmm. I have a class that takes in some data, encrypts it, and returns a string. It seems so simple, so I put it in one class, and he's like, well, you might want to have a value object over here that just contains the data, and another class that creates the string you want it to, and why? Until we start talking it through, <laughs> and it's like, okay. Now it's making more yeah. sense. Okay. I mean, I feel I feel like that's that's similar to this coding test that I'm doing right now, which is it's tricky. Architecture mm-hmm. itself is hard. It is, and I want to flex my architecture skills here, so it's not. I'm not taking the easy answer. I'm I'm definitely working the whole thing. Are you, you are you including tests? I intend to. <laughs> Was that a no? I wasn't until you just brought that up. <laughs> no, I have a tests directory. It's just empty. <laughs> well, they're all passing. That's the good thing. Yeah, that's true. So if if you do TDD, you don't have to worry about it. The tests are already there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not gonna so, do that. Well, so Thomas, I, I was, but. I, I ran into some organizational issues earlier on that made my TDDs not time efficient. Go there. Yes, sir. What do you mean? No, hold on. Now you got me confused. How, how, how could TDD not be time efficient if, if the whole idea is, is you're doing your T before you do any DD? Because I... My initial idea of what the structure of it would look like was flawed. So the, the, the tests that I wrote were useless. Hmm. And then he gave up. All and right. then he gave up on the whole TDD part and just like, I'm just going to code until I get something I want. <laughs> I am prioritizing time and effort over 100% uh, proper coding. Well, it's not necessarily proper. Okay. It's the triangle. It's the fire triangle. <laughs> <laughs> Just leave me alone, damn it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, Thomas, you mentioned uh, when we were talking a few weeks ago about uh, Livewire and that whole ZTTP yeah. that, um, that Taylor had dropped a little bit of a hint that maybe he'd be pulling ZTTP into Laravel. And this week, uh, he basically sent out a tweet. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Uh, Eric Burns actually sent out a tweet that said he saw the pull request that does this. Um, You'll be happy to know, John, that it won't be ZTTP. He does have it as HTTP in in the pull request. But, uh, but yeah, it looks like that ZTTP package is going to get pulled in. And just be a base package for Laravel, which is great because Laravel already included Guzzle um, as one of its um, you know dependencies. So 
the fact that it's pulling in this uh, this you know abstracted layered even to guzzle is, yeah. is nice. Well, and it's it's so, not just guzzle; it's the uh, it's the PSR eleven guzzle, which I'm not sure if you've used a lot, but it's not fun. No, I I haven't probably haven't used it at all. So. So yeah, it, it does look like that's happening, and that's exciting, man. So now you'll just it, it, it you know, they showed some some code samples and looked very clean. It was like an HTTP colon colon git URL, you know, and it had some following stuff you could throw into it, depending on you know if you needed to pass headers and things. But definitely makes it cleaner. Yeah, it'd be it'd be nice to see the. Uh the ZTTP project actually get some more development in it because of this, you know, get a little more feature rich. Mm. Well, I, you know, it's one of those things that I don't, I don't want to do too much more. I mean, I, I like it being like, let, let this be the base, the very basic client. And if I want more then I'll go, I'll go back to guzzle. You know what I mean? It's like, let this, let this be the simple curl command that I need to quickly grab a, a URL or or something in my application, but if I need to do something, you know, super sick, stupid, then I still have Guzzle available to me. It's still in the framework, so I can still call that as well. Basically, I'm saying I don't want I don't want it to be I don't want it to have too many bells and whistles. I like it simple. Just keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as soon as I start adding all but, those bells and whistles, it it basically becomes Guzzle at that point. Right, uh-huh. I I'd love to see. Like I said, I'm curious about what the relationship with Livewire and Laravel is going to be. I I'm hyping it up in my head. Like in my head, I see that I see Livewire going down the same path, just because it would be such a unique position for the Laravel framework over any other framework to have this Livewire pattern. Um. But I don't necessarily know that's what's going to happen. You know, I, I, I mentioned last week that Caleb said that, you know, he alluded to the fact that Taylor was looking to make it more of a first-class citizen. I wasn't sure what, what all that meant. But, uh, well, I guess we'll find out next week at Laricon, uh, Laricon Online, which I'm still looking for a hotel to stay in for that. I'm thinking I'll stay in a hotel for like a day or two for, for Laricon Online, you know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you, you just went out of your house that badly. Just you know, it's a conference, and you know, I just tell the wife I have a conference to go to. She just assumes I'm leaving the house for a couple of days. Might as well just take advantage of it. Yeah, it's honestly, it was her idea. <laughs> so, Laricon online next week. Uh, anybody interested? Anybody excited? Yeah, I'm interested. Yeah, I but... just I, I don't know. Excited. You bought. You got a ticket, right? Yeah. <laughs> we're we're I gotta been, ask. I've been busy, man. I, I think we have a bunch of developers coming up to the office to to watch it. Well, I'll just fly on over. We get. We get. Yeah, we get. We have. We have a tickets to spare. I think we we bought uh, bought all the developers their own, and then. Of course, you could if you're going to do a viewing party. They they gave you like a special rate or something. Or I I think they even started selling them. I think they even started selling bundle packs. I'm not sure, but yeah. 
Oh, well. All after we bought ours. Of course. Speaking of conferences, uh, we have tech coming up soon as well, which we have airline tickets for. Nashville. Did you see my, my forwarded email today? Yes, I did. I was already grumpy about it. And then, oh my then gosh. they changed they, it. When, they changed the actually, times when, of our flights. When I, when I, so John, John is typically in charge of our travel because, you know, he has the family. So he, you know, he, he has a lot of equation. He has to figure it in, in, in traveling. I don't, I'm pretty open. It's like, yeah, let's go and come back. And he had, he had, uh, he had it. So they were coming back pretty early in the morning. I was griping at him. I'm like, Jesus, you know, why, why bother even staying the night, you know? And I got an email from him saying, oh yeah, your airline has changed your flight. I'm like, God, please tell me it's later because it can't be earlier. Turns out it can be. <laughs> so originally it was leaving at 6 a.m. to get on a Saturday to get back here, 9.30, you know, get back. White people have had the kids for five days at that point. So I wanted to be back early enough. Yeah, and get an email. Yeah, it's now 5.20. Not just a little bit earlier. That... That's our flight. Like, I didn't even know flights took off that early. I thought, like, like there was, like, some rule, like, flights couldn't take off before 6 a.m. No, this our flight's at 5.20. That means we got to be there at, like, 5 o'clock in the morning. No, we got to be there you earlier know, than be that. Like because the flight's at, oh, Holy crap, man. I'm not sleeping. I'm staying up all night, Friday night. Just See, that's how it always there. starts. Except for the fact it's not a direct <laughs> flight. You have to freaking get up for a layover. You can't just sleep through. Yeah, that sucks too, right? I mean, you don't you don't have a lot of control over that, but yeah, that that yeah, that does suck. You're you're getting up super early just to hit a layover. Yep. Yeah. Not fun. It's only from Nashville too. Could just fly back separate and go go later. <laughs> don't t- don't tempt me, man. <laughs> At five twenty in the morning, I just might take you up on that. <laughs> I'm sure there's got to be some sort of clause in that, right? Like we booked it at six a.m. They changed it. They got to give us a chance to change the flight for free. You would think, right? I, I yeah, know. you know how flexible airlines are. <laughs> exactly, they're, they're so accommodating. Yeah. So did you see this uh, this article I posted up here about how Apple Watch beat the Swiss watch industry in sales in 2019? The entire Swiss watch industry? Apple Watch sold more than, than they did? I am not surprising. I am. I'm totally surprised by that. Yeah, but... S- I mean... Swiss watches are luxury goods. <laughs> the people who are buying a $500 wristwatch are a much smaller group than the people who are buying a $500 wrist smartphone. That's true. I mean, they call it an an Apple Watch. They call it an Apple Watch, but it isn't a watch. It's a a smartphone that you put on your wrist. And that industry has a lot more takers than, you know, Swiss movement watches. Mm. Yeah. And, and the thing about it is, is Swiss watches are probably, it, it, it's probably a better $500 spend than an Apple watch, which the, 
the company itself will make obsolete in about a year. Like, just to get you to buy the next $500 watch. Yeah. Oh, it'll like retain the, value the better for sure. The $500 Swiss watch you buy will still be a $500 Swiss watch 20 years from now. The $500 Apple watch you buy won't be a $500 anything in a year or two. It won't be a $100 anything in a couple of years. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I mean, but it, it isn't just a watch. It's got the heart rate monitor, so all the people who do exercise want one. It's got GPS. It can do phone calls directly from the watch and voice assistant and media player controls. and It's, it's so yeah. many things I, that people had separately before. I gotta be honest with you. I, I have I have uh, uh, watches, uh, smart watches. I, I have I live in the Android world, so all mine are, are Android or Google uh, smart watches, and I have the Google smartphone and all that. But um, I gotta be honest with you. I, I, I'm the the watch. I'm a big watch guy. I like watches. That's one of the reasons why I gravitated to this pretty quickly. And I don't know. I, I don't get a lot out of my watch. I still wear it every day, but I don't really go for it for hardly anything. Um, the the heartbeat thing is a nice to have, and when we work out, I I even have a different watch for when like John and I play racquetball. I have one specifically for that. It, it can take a little bit better beating, but but like just for like. I don't use it as much as I thought I was going to use it in my head. Like for media control and stuff, I still just automatically reach for my phone to to to, to do all that stuff. Well, that's where the Apple ecosystem is really well polished. I mean, you you have to give it to them that they've built such a beautiful synchronicity between everything. Where the the i the iPods or the AirPods. You just tap the case on your iPhone and that syncs them together. And then it has, uh, it has a way of measuring your hands near your, your head so that you can do media controls by gesturing at your ears. And I didn't know that. If you, if you take one out, it will turn it off. It'll, it'll pause the music so you can like listen to somebody or something. And the watch communicates through the airpods and through the phone and it has its own uh sim card in it so it can actually make calls without a phone and it's a very well designed watch now i have a 50 dollars smart watch and i wouldn't trade it for anything because it's got a 45 day battery life yeah. it's it gives me all the functionality that i want and i don't have to charge it every single night yeah, yeah, I, I I charge mine every night, and, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I still like I said, I I mean, mine pretty much works that same way. It, you know, it, it has all the interfaces to to the phone. It just I just don't I don't use it. I I thought even for like the Google Pay stuff, I thought I would use it, but I found I found my you know turning my wrist was feeling awkward when I had my phone right there. It was just as easy to boom boom and. And throw it on there. I just don't. I don't know. I don't. If if I I, I think this is probably the last uh, smartwatch I'll have for a while because I think 
you know, if I were to get another watch, I'd go back to a traditional watch because it's just as nice. It's, you know, like you said, it actually holds value and something well, you can pass down to you're family. Also, you're also an adult. I can tell you 50% of the kids at my kid's high school have Apple Watches. Which is crazy if you think about it, Stupid. right? Because, I mean... You wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't see him walking around with a with a two, three, four hundred dollar any other watch. Nope. <laughs> I mean, my high school was different. It was for troubled children and rich children. But mm-hmm. so, mobile code media. What do you guys think about the latest Laravel release? Yeah, it's fine. I mean, uh, no, nothing stood out. I think everybody's waiting for seven to happen. I don't think I'm on it. Uh, I, I I just uh, just spun up a new app. But, um, Is Laravel? Yeah, I, mean, I just got a one of those bump PRs from whatever that service is for bumping Laravel's Dependabot. Yeah, Dependabot. Is upgrading Laravel that easy, or do you still have to go through something like Laravel Shift? If it, 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 it's Simver now, so I mean, if you're staying within within the six, I just I just do a, a composer upgrade, and it it just uh, goes through, and does it. Um, if I'm jumping from, you know, if you're still on five something and you need to jump to six, because six is so far along, it probably makes sense to go through shift. Uh, this is, yeah, that jump, uh, I, did, I made that jump. It was awful. Oh, this is actually five seventeen, yeah. five eight. Seven. Yeah, so that I mean, again, that was all before he was doing Simver, right? He he started Simver in six. I don't think so that I has. I don't think that's I, done a whole lot for updates, though. Because yeah. I've seen some. You would need pretty... to go. You would need to go through and look at the releases if you're just trying to bump it through the fives. You would have to go back and look through the releases. Yeah, that's true. You'd you'd, you'd probably be okay, but I don't know. It's tough to. I don't remember all, what what all came out in five and when it came out. Well, I will be writing an article on the the Laravel approach to Semver soon, so I'll have to uh, I'll have to tweet that out to everybody. Wait, wait, writing an article for wait writing an article to who for who for what for my new website that I'm building. Oh, you, oh! Listen, look at you, big boy. You're gonna be blogging you. and all that. Huh? Career man, I've got, I've got lists. <laughs> well, don't throw your career down the toilet like I did by calling out Laravel Simver issues. Yeah, boy, you got, oh, yeah. you got called out <laughs> hard. <laughs> no, he didn't. So, so the person who who included his tweet, which it was an older tweet. She had a legitimate question. Her question was, and she referenced a tweet that John had sent out, was, to, are to you Taylor. bumping it? Right. And, and the question was basically, are, are you bumping this to seven just to bump to seven, or is there a backwards-breaking change? And that, that, that was the question. And I don't think you got caught out in a negative way or anything. It's just... She just referenced your tweet and said, "Hey, listen, he has a point here. Are you? Do, are you? Is there actually going to be a backwards breaking change here? Or are you just wanting a new version release?" Mm-hmm. I, I don't. It wasn't an intentional calling out or an aggressive behavior, but it was an old tweet being dug up and then shoved in front of the creator's face. 
Like, it, it was... Well, it's good, though, because then he knows that, you know, there there are other people than just, you know, there are other people who who can be critical, you know, critical-minded in, in thinking through this stuff, and not just the ones who, you know, hang on his every word and does, you know, whatever he asks. There, there, you know, there are people in this industry who are making a living off it, and you know, this sort of information is important to us. You know, we want we want to know be, because of the history. It's like, listen, this we understand you said you're on Simver, but you know, do you understand what that means? Like, you're saying you're going to seven, so that that you're telling us now you're going to seven because there's going to be a backwards shake breaking change i just want to make sure you you're clear on that i, I thought it was a reasonable question i don't know i don't i don't disagree it was perfectly reasonable just didn't yeah. just didn't have to drag john into it it wasn't really dragging. I, th- I thought john was the perfect person to drag into it <laughs> just because i don't care um, about anything pretty much yeah it's like yeah use me abuse yeah. me it's okay i'm good with it just don't bruise me. Uh, what are you going to say, Thomas? Well, where, where, where are you going, Thomas? A few months ago, I was talking about taking a Windows machine and using WSL, the Windows subsystem for Linux, to shape it into a development system for myself. And... Because of how I want to organize my workspace right now, I'm being forced to finish that task. <laughs> okay. Uh, and it is a little rough. Although I can say definitively, I got it working. Well, that's good. Um, there are so many caveats to vagrant on wsl so many rules that you have to follow it is so impossible to track um but i spent two days trying to get everything working until i finally got it working and then my immediate next step was to destroy the whole image and make sure that I knew the steps well enough to do it again if I needed to. Quickly. Mm. So the second iteration did take me five hours to get the Vagrant to boot up. But the third iteration, I was able to do it. Five five hours? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Good God, man. Is this the second article for your new website? Uh... (laughs) I was considering it. This would be a much more important article than the... Well, the reason I don't want to do it, though, is because WSL is under so much development right now that these articles about how to do stuff in it are irrelevant a month or two after they're published. Like, completely irrelevant. And I am restricted to Vagrant because that's what my company has quickly and easily deployable. But it looks like Docker is the way to go for this. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Docker's a no-brainer for this. Right. Vagrant, it's it's weird that you you say that. I've never, well, I I 
Joe Ferguson would probably hate me for saying that, but I I, I never envisioned Vagrant as something that's deploy, de- deployable. Well, it's not deployable, always... but it's our Vagrant system is our our replication of our production environment. So that's where oh, okay. we, de- we develop in a Vagrant box because of that. Um, and I don't have a up-to-date Docker uh, collection that is designed to do this. So my, my next step would be, yeah, move the Vagrant system over to do- Docker and update everything from there. Mm-hmm. But the good news is I learned how to quickly switch between versions of Node. I learned about when you can and can't switch between versions. I learned about uh, things that you have to run on the, on the WSL image and not inside Vagrant because it Vagrant uh, responds too quickly. So if you do NPM install from in a Vagrant SSH session, it tries to write to the disk faster than Windows can read from it and it locks itself out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's stuff I've seen before. Uh, there's an Ubuntu file system from the 16.4 days that did that too. Um, yeah. But and you, you know, I, I mentioned Joe Ferguson because he does the Homestead version of which is a vagrant box for. Um, that's what well, this is. Yeah. It, it, it's Homestead. Yeah, it's based on Homestead. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was, I was about to say you, you still might, you still might get some lessons learned from what he's doing in Homestead. But if it, if it's based on Homestead, then never mind. <laughs> but yeah, I tell you, once you get do- once you go Docker man, you don't go back to you don't go no. back to Vagrant. I, 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 mean, I people are Docker on production now and aren't complaining. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you if I had where, said that a year ago, you would have called bullshit on it, right? We, when we were talking we're, about Docker when it started, we didn't think it was going to make it to production ready for five or ten years. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy because what what you mentioned with your Vagrant box, you're simulating the what you have in production, right? You're simulating it with Docker. Yeah. There's no simulation. You're you're deploying those containers, and right? It, it's made such a difference for us. We uh. We're actually the our, our old for one of our our clients who has a really old legacy system. Um, we're getting we're pushing him to Docker, and we just made a big step in that direction uh, last last week. I think it was where we actually moved their big money making application over to Docker in every environment but production. So every environment right now but the production environment is running their version of their platform on Docker containers. And the idea is, you know, to, to, to kind of look for problems, look for issues, and then eventually we're going to cut the production environment over to it. That's, and that's so nice. It's, oh man, I can't even begin to tell you how nice it is. It's, it's just been wonderful, absolutely wonderful. And just moving forward, just keeping things like PHP up to date and... and you know, Nginx and all these, everything that's a separate container is like, you want to update it. Well, you just replace that container and update it. And if it doesn't work, then you put the old container back. There's no more of this fear of, you know, apply the update. If the update doesn't work, then, you know, uninstall the update and install the old version. 
Now, it's great. Do you do you put your source in one of the containers, or do you have your source mm-hmm. separate from the containers? The source is separate. So typically, what we do now is uh, the the project is its repo. So we'll have a new Laravel repo, and then within that project, we have our Docker configuration, and uh, we have a Docker folder that does all of our builds, but the the source code is always referenced outside the container so it's never it's never a part of any of the containers and is this are you using docker compose mhm yeah that's that i need to grab a book or something on docker compose and really get an, become an expert on that you know i i noticed with docker it, it, Maybe you and I should talk because it almost behooves you not to do that because like all the websites and tutorials get really technical with Docker and they, they really kind of push you down the advanced path quickly where it's like uh. so much of it is simple. It's, it's like, oh, you want a PHP container? Then you know, write these two lines of code, do a Docker Compose up, and you have a PHP container. I actually have a directory now of of just containers like Elasticsearch, Mailhog, all these services that I'll use, you know, onesie twosies that I'll just spin up that one container for for a couple of days because I'm working on a project that, you know, requires Elasticsearch. It won't be part of the part of that actual project because that project isn't using Docker or something, for example, but but I have, but that's becoming less and less of a thing now as well because I even we we're working on a project now where the uh, the the deployment is going to be on hardware, um, not our call. Uh, that's what the client wanted, but still, so that all of our developers are are working in sync together, we still basically create a Docker environment for it. So if if the client wanted to, they could actually deploy it on Docker, but you know they don't want to. They want to take advantage of like services that you know we're 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 not we don't have as Docker. But hmm. but I, you know I, I'm fewer and fewer projects that I start now don't have just some basic Docker configuration attached to it. Just because it's so easy, it's just so stinking easy to do. Well, and you can include you can include the whole environment as part of the Git repo. Exactly. Yeah. the the only caveat The only caveat I've come up with Docker, like the the one place I don't use it as much as I probably should, is with MySQL. Um, and again, that's laziness for on my part because I like having. You know, I I still have like the valet set up in my environment. So like if I'm doing a bunch of quick coding, because I'm 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 in the position where I'm jumping in and out of projects all the time. Uh, I don't spend a lot of time in one project because we have developers who are working on projects. So I'll go into a project, pull down the latest, and you know see how the code's doing. Um. So, so I'm still very lazy in the fact that I, I don't want to just start spinning up Docker containers, Docker containers for all these different projects. I'll just depend on my valet and my system, my SQL, because I'll have all my databases in there as opposed to spinning up my Docker environment for this project. And then I need to spin up Docker environment for a project I'm actually coding on. And now I have conflicting 
ports because they're both using MySQL and I'm trying to do the, you know, 3306 forward on both of them. So I, I'm still kind of lazy on, on that piece of it. But I, I would bet you there's a tool out there, though, that, that does auto port management for Docker projects like that. It, it would be challenging. Yeah. It would it be would challenging. Be. I don't know how you do it. Uh, mobile asked, uh, are we using Docker deployments with Jenkins, uh, pipelines? Uh, we use it with uh, with AWS. So that's what we're using. Um, I think I think a, a code deploy uh, or code pipeline or something is what AWS has. So, yeah, we are, we're using it with the deployment system. It's, uh, it's the AWS deployment system. But I, I have talked to people who, who use it with Jenkins, and uh, I'm not sure about uh, pipelines, but yeah. Um, so I actually went off on a tangent with Docker, though. I, I was going to say something to you, Thomas, that I thought you might be interested in. John and I actually looked into what it would take to create a Hackintosh. Oh, I thought, uh, Why? Just curiosity. Okay, thank because God. That's the only right answer. Why? Okay, uh, so it's not it's not because we, we, we have to give our employees laptops and we don't want to buy Apple. Right, that's the wrong answer. <laughs> with, Why with, do you say that? You don't, you don't like the Hackintosh? Apple invests a lot of effort in breaking the Hackintosh ecosystem Every with every release. Oh, and really? The more effort than they spend breaking their own ecosystem with every release. By the way, how's Catalina working out for you? I have, I've been using it for a long well, time. OBS doesn't issue. like it. <laughs> I've heard Catalina breaks Docker, but uh, no, no problem with Docker. Yeah, yeah. OBS ha- doesn't like it. Hackintosh is a a FreeBSD system that's not running FreeBSD. It's running a hack-together operating system that you don't want or need. I mean, the the weakest part of of Apple's $50,000 systems is the operating system that comes with it. Why would you want to put that on any system that you buy? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I've, I got this laptop. The, the reason I'm dealing with WSL on this laptop is because it didn't play well with Ubuntu. I had a handful of problems that were just annoying the crap out of me, and I didn't want to deal with them anymore. But the lesson I learned from that was don't buy this brand anymore, not don't go with Linux. It's just get ThinkPads from now on. ThinkPads work yeah. perfectly with Linux. The end. They're great strong systems so i hackintoshes are just they're yeah they're a matter of curiosity well the funny thing about it the thing i called out to 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 john is like uh the 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 thing that took us down the road is an article that said hey this this particular laptop is the perfect laptop for a hackintosh so it, it was not only was it a hackintosh but it was a laptop Hackintosh, 
And uh, ultimately, it's like, you know, I ended up telling John, like, you, you know, it, it is running Windows. So it's like, it does have an operating system on it. It's not like we have to go the Hackintosh route there. Well, and the name yeah. now, it, Hackintosh used to mean one thing. It should just be Klugentosh now because it's, it's not a well-functioning system that you get out of it. Really? No. I've never, yeah, I've never played with it. I did get my, um... I did get here. Check it out. I, I uh, I did. I did get my Pi Four in, and I even got. I even got the uh, took your advice and and got some. Oh, the some case fans, the fans on and it and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's well. That's actually not even case. I I can't even put it in the case because this ended up taking up so much space. But oh, it's like a little uh, heat, a heat sink sandwich. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, I got this because I wanted to uh, to play with an idea that john pointed me to as far as using this in conjunction with an ipad but i can't i haven't been able to get it to i can't get i don't know i i don't know if it's my connection uh because it has this uh micro hdmi yep. so th- that's the hdmi the, the micro one yep and i i bought a little cheap connection from amazon and no matter what monitor i plug it into it's not not booting it's not what, showing me anything it, what are you booting it up to what os are you putting just the 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 pie the the raspberry pi one uh so and if, can you ssh into it no no i can't even get i can't i can't even get the initial boot to happen so i can get it configured so it sounds like um, the sd card is not getting recognized or are you well, using a good enough power supply cuz it takes a, it, it wants to draw a good amount of power yeah, yeah, I'm definitely using a good good power supply, and and I don't think it's, I think one of my SD cards were bad because only one light was on, but the the card I have in here now, uh, you get the two lights, uh, including the one blinking light. So I think I think the card's okay. I think it's just my HDMI connection. Well, I don't know, but it, it boots headless. You don't need an HDMI connection to it. So if you just plug it in and turn it on, you should be able to SSH into it from another system. How 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 would I SSH to it? it? I need to configure the wireless. Yeah, you configure there's the no... wireless in the in the SD card. On the SD card, there's a wireless config file that you edit with all of your wireless settings. The 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 the, the SD card is not is not readable from from Mac. It's it's. Uh, but you've Linux done partition. something wrong. Your your mother did something wrong. It's your SD card baby. should be FAT32. It should 100% be readable. All right. Maybe I did do something wrong then. I'll, I'll take a look at that. I'll, I'll take a look at the headless, uh, headless boot as well. Maybe I did something wrong. I, I, won't, I won't, won't question you quite yet, but I don't totally believe you. That's how but I did it. But along the same lines. I did the whole thing off. Along... Really? Yeah, I did the whole thing headless. I, in fact, I don't even hmm. have a, an HDMI cable for it. I'm getting it tomorrow. Because that's actually what I want. I, I kind of wanted it headless. I mean, I don't want it hooked up to a monitor. That's how that's how this whole thing works. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. I'll, I'll check that out. I, I, maybe I'll re- report back to you next week. I, I have another. I have another card here. I think you can use too. So, I thought maybe my card was too big because when I went to flash the, um, maybe it is. When I went to when I used the uh, application to flash the OS, is that hey. Uh, uh, you have it says your card has 128 gig 
uh, that's a little large for a, a SD card. Are you sure that's where you want to flash it to? I'm like, yeah, no, it's a 128 gig SD card. Yeah, that's and, a that's a FAT32 thing because FAT32 tops out at 64 gigs, I think. Whereas so I have a 64 gig there's too. a there's an advanced FAT32 that tops out at higher than that. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe my card is too big. Well, but I don't you know. can still I'll, format I'll, it to be a 64. I'll, I'll, I'll play around with it a little bit. I have a 64. But, but along with those same lines, uh, another like remote development solution I've been waiting for has been this Vis- Visual Studio Online. And I actually watched a video of it today. And it's not going to be as cool as I thought it was going to be. Um, I don't know if this is like the official product. But uh, Microsoft, I mean, this was a Microsoft YouTube channel, and it it only talks about Visual Studio code. And this was for their Visual Studio Online, which I had been waiting for, and I had envisioned it to be like, you know, you log in, and uh, you know, you basically have Visual Studio code there, and you can you know create projects in it and stuff. And it's not exactly like that. Uh, as a matter of fact, we had shared a while back how you could run visual studio code yourself on a server and i did that and it it's actually very easy to do it's not hard at all it's it's not illegal it's it's one of the solutions that they offer so i i ran, ran on a server but i'm like well this is only good for like a one-to-one it's not like a like i can't I'd have to run each version of Visual Studio Code on a different port and assign that port to a developer. It wasn't as nice of an interface as I thought it would be. Well, it turns out that the Visual Studio Code online is kind of the same way. You have to you have to have a um, what's the Microsoft Cloud Azure? Yeah, yes. Azure is that yeah. the Microsoft yeah. Cloud? Yeah, that's yeah. the one. You have to have like an Azure account, and it just basically spins up virtual servers and deploys this <laughs> implementation of Visual Studio Code to that server. It basically, you know, you configure the server to ha- to be a project, and it's all nice and everything. But still, it's like a one to one. Like if you want, if you have five projects, then I guess you need five servers. I I don't. I don't know. It wasn't as cool as I thought it was. It would be. I thought it would just be a service that they offered. That you log in and, and you have Visual Studio Code there for you, but it doesn't it doesn't appear to be that way. I'll we'll, I'll include the video in the show notes for anybody interested. Maybe I missed something, or or maybe this is just one iteration of it. But yeah, it, it, it's not. I still I still want it, and, and I will probably go back to the version I have running on my server for using it with my iPad because I still think it's a very real solution. But it's uh, and 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 they 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 do they do address a lot of the issue a lot of the questions I had as far as like how do you do debugging? Uh, because they do have the functionality of using debugging, and he walks through it um, how, how you do it. It's not as again not as clean as you think it would be. You know, basically it does debug debugging to local host, but the local host is a server. So now you have to get that server's IP address. You know, it, it basically generates a URL for you to hit that server, and it's kind of a, it's 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 kind of clumsy, I think. But 
I, I see that you know they, they clearly had real obstacles in their way trying to get this to do everything it needed to do. So I don't blame them for it. It's just it's just not as clean of implementation as I would like to have seen it. Mm. Well, John looks extremely tired, and you know what that means. <laughs> I tell you, man, I feel I'm like John. Calm down, man. You, you guys you are coming here rapping all hard, and you just keep going. You guys are talking about stuff I have no clue about. I've never owned a pie. Don't want to own a pie. Don't care about pies. No. Just the just like the seven uh, just the seven IoT cameras that are pointing to his children in their room. Yep. <laughs> so they don't steal money I from. I drop it by one, so I can move it into move one into their playroom. Uh, so. I want to end it on not doom okay. and gloom on, on smiles All and right. sunshine. Yay! Uh, Ring lately has been in the news because they sucked. And sounds very doom and gloomy. Yeah, it was bad. People were uh, <laughs> uh, eavesdropping on other people's children and yelling at them that Santa wasn't real. Which is generally not good. <laughs> but th- didn't we discuss that? You know, it was the fact that their accounts were being broken into. It wasn't a flaw with the camera itself, right? I, it was a flaw with their authentication in general. In what way? They, they weren't properly securing accounts. So that's what the news is today, is that Ring is uh, requiring two-factor authentication for all of their logins. But that still doesn't answer how they they were not, they weren't protecting their accounts. Was it because they didn't offer two-factor? I'm not sure if they offered it or not, but now it's going to be required. Right, so... You can't... So going back to the original... Now now my wife's not going to use it. But going back to the original (laughs) issue, it was... It wasn't a ring camera specific issue. It wasn't like people were breaking into the camera. People were using were finding your username and password and logging into your account. Yes. So that's okay. you can't do that anymore. You, right. The, to a point. Even if that's the case, you still can't do that. You have to have the two FA authenticator still. Right. It's just I, I asked because I've been telling people that, you know, when when this was all going on, I was trying to explain, no, this isn't a problem with the cameras and tell my wife the same thing. It's not an issue there. It's people using easy passwords or their email getting broken into. And then that being used to then get access. It wasn't a widespread, like all ring cameras were all of a sudden vulnerable. Right. But it was, it was ring that had accidentally exposed login credentials of 3,000 users. and Oh, I didn't hear that part. That's a little different. Yeah. So they, they had a series of data leaks that pushed them to this point. They had a, a compromise that left 3,000 users' uh, logins available, uh, a, bre- a data breach that resulted in 1,500 ring users' passwords being leaked, uh, stuff like that. So the, the two-factor part takes the liability away from Ring for the login and password combinations being able to get into the system. 
or at least a little bit of the liability. And generally, two-factor is better. And like I said, and now my wife won't use it. My wife hates two-factor. First thing, she hates my complex passwords. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm, yeah, that's just, that's, that's my life now. There's no, no way around it. And then when I, when I add two factor to it, it's like, I add two factor. She's like, this is, why do you, why do you do this? She's, this is so, you can't, you you can't even use these accounts. I'm like, yeah, that's the point. Nobody can use the account but me. That's, that's the whole reason for the two factor. Well, and you know, Gmail, when I get a notification on Gmail for two factor, emails that I've received, most of the time it'll have an option to copy the code for two-factor instead of having to open and read the email. So the, the Gmail, really? on, yeah, Gmail on Android is learning how to parse two-factor emails so that it can just paste the code straight into the, the box that's open on your so, screen already. So when you, when you see the little preview, there's just like a co- copy code or something? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, I don't think I noticed well, that. Most of your, your Although I usually get mine through SMS. So. SMS or SMS as well. 2FA application. Yeah, no, SMS. Yeah, or 2FA S- SMS and Gmail will both both do that for me on some codes, not all. Huh. I got I got I got to look at that. I I never I never look at my my email for my two factor, so Well, I was going to get into uh Twitter's new uh, proposed way of resolving fake news, but it's it's really not that interesting. Okay, well, let's save it for next week because I think we're good here. We've, we've got a good good show going here. I still don't have Eric's uh, dark mode Facebook. Yeah, neither do I. I'm very upset about that. Really? Let me see if I still have it. Let me see if I still have dark mode Facebook. I still have dark mode Facebook. Ugh. I still have dark mode Facebook. I'm going to try to go to new.facebook.com see what that does. Nude? What are you looking <laughs> for nudes on Facebook? As far as I... Nothing. <laughs> as far as I know, my account's been hacked, and it's just like a fake Facebook. Like none of, none of the articles are real. Just somebody's fucking with me here. Well, yeah, and as far as they know, you're dead and you've never used Facebook. Exactly. I mean, it's weird because like, they're not asking me for any feedback or anything. I'm not. I guess my using it is the feedback. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You've you've happened upon the scary part about how they do research. Is they don't ask. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's cool, man. Facebook dark dark mode Facebook for anybody interested. It's out. It's coming or might be coming. Might not be coming. I mean, if they keep deploying it to people like me, they they might just say, "Yeah, no, no, no one's no interested." <laughs> they don't log in and use it at all. <laughs> all right, I think that's it. This has been a good one seven nine on o two two o twenty twenty, which I still think is just really cool. It's like binary, but not you know. It's like binary plus one, like I think like binary v two. Get it? Like, instead of 01, so. Okay! This is it! Episode <laughs> that, 179. Yeah. Uh oh. John, what just happened? Oh, no. you, you closed your browser? Ah. And John just screwed up the recording for everybody. <laughs> so he's, uh. <laughs>
All the hard he's work fired. that we were doing. <laughs> What's going on? Now Thomas, damn it, John! You had one thing to do: not close the browser. You close the browser. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing we got that forty-five minutes of silence, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And at the at the end of the show, when he closes the browser, he decides to start talking, the bastard. <laughs> All right, John. What episode right. is this been? Yeah, one seventy. What episode are you? <laughs> the first episode, John's gonna have to I've edit. Got, I've got, I've got Dark Moon now on Facebook. Do you really? <laughs> there's some sort of, there's some sort of Chrome, forced Dark Mode for web contents. So I enabled that. Oh, oh said, you got a Chrome plugin? No, it's part of Chrome. It's Chrome flags and force. Uh, enable force dark and then it said oh relaunch chrome i'm like okay relaunch. <laughs> not only did it stop zencaster but i have other windows with youtube videos that were open so they're all start playing at the same time I'm like ah what's going on? damn you think you think zencaster would have popped up some sort of notification of hey you're recording here don't close me are you sure you want me closed because you're still recording yeah that didn't we missed some missed some chats sorry chat uh, who else uh, first time catching the live stream thanks uh, mobile <laughs> code media appreciate you uh, joining us and two factor authentication is part of their gmail actions gmail actions Daryl yeah. what is a gmail action oh nice all right. Uh, while oh. while Eric's searching that That's up, thank fun. you to all of our Patreons. Of course, yes. Thanks for all our Patreons. But you had a nice new Patreon page up, but, you know, OBS decided to uh, not work, so sorry about that. And uh, sorry for John for uh, seeing how this uh, stream gets edited together. It'll, it'll be interesting. Okay, it will be. It'll be in a couple months. You'll, you'll, you'll hear it. <laughs> oh, you're working on my time. Episode 179 is in the book. I'm Eric Van Johnson. I'm John Congdon. I'm Tom Rideout. Keep it ugly. Keep it ugly. Keep it ugly. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly, and thanks to our sponsors, the Diego Dev Group. If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group. You can find the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. That's www.diegodev.com. Show notes and RSS feeds can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly or join us in our Discord channel. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or in your favorite podcast listener. A rating of five stars is always appreciated. Until next time, keep it ugly.